You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident fanalist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. So, I gotta be honest, I'm a little impressed with myself. Usually when I set goals, I meet almost none of them, with the exception of doing a daily podcast. I'm quite proud of that one. But, um... I said I wanted to look at linebackers next, and I did. I did almost 20 linebackers in uh, a day. And the reason I say almost is because as I was going through my list of supposed linebackers, three of them were edge rushers. So uh, I had 17, and then somebody, right as I finished, mentioned Willie Gay. So I threw him in there. So I have 18 now that I have listed. Uh, I want to go through that as well as a couple of questions in the Facebook group, but that'll just about take up all of our time. I know it's Monday, so this is kind of when a massive infusion of you come back from the weekend. If this is interesting to you, um, yesterday I did wide receivers. So it was my top 20 list of wide receivers. And top 20 isn't really the right way to say it. I took the consensus top 20 and then I ranked them myself. I didn't watch every wide receiver and pick my top 20. That's not what happened. But it's roughly a top 20. This is also my first attempt at doing this, so there's quite a few kinks to work out. I will say, though, not as much craziness with linebackers as there was with wide receivers. There was no C.D. Lamb-type issues, so should be relatively smooth. But that's not all. There was something else I said I wanted to do, and I did it. Right now, what I have done is I set up a spreadsheet on Google Docs. It's wide open for anybody. We've got six people, including myself, that are in there right now. And what I did is I made a list of free agents. And, and what you're able to do is put your stamp on who you like, don't like, who you want the Packers to pick up, who you don't. I've got a whole key full of stuff, and if there's anything missing, I can add it, but different letters that you can assign next to a player to put your stamp down and say, this is what I think. Now, I never intended for people to put letters next to absolutely everybody, but that's what some people did. They've got everybody. I mean, I've got, geez, how many 
free agents are there? There's a list of 719, and some people have just about filled out every single one of these, which is quite hilarious and awesome that people are that uh, adamant. But hey, got to put your name down there, right? But either way, the, the reason I like doing this is because so many people like to say, I told you so, and there's no... You know, there's there's no weight behind it. Like, I said this guy would be good, and everyone just kind of goes, no, 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 no. Everybody gets those big hits, and it's like, man, I wish I had put that down somewhere. Now you can. Put your name down. And I promise the intention is not to call out people who said stuff that didn't pan out. I mean, maybe a little if you're getting mouthy for fun to just kind of be like, really? Because look at these things here. But it's all in good fun. That's That's all anything I ever do is intended to be. I like doing stuff as a group. To be completely honest, at this point, I kind of feel like instead of a podcast, what I have is a group, and I'm the spokesman for the group. That's really what I feel like I have right now, and I like to do fun stuff like this, and I plan on also doing this for the draft, so you can put your stamp on people that you like, people that you don't like, people you want the Packers to draft, people you predict the Packers to draft, all that stuff you'll be able to do as well, but i got to get that set up. So if you're interested in that, that post is in the Facebook group. If you can't find it, message me, and I'll try to help you. Anyways... Big shout out to Luke for jumping in on Patreon. If you appreciate the work that I put into this stuff and the content that I'm bringing, a small donation on patreon.com slash pack underscore daddy would be very, very greatly appreciated. It not only helps me to pay for some of the resources that I use to help bring you that content, but it's also validation that I'm going in the right direction. And again, you can do it for as little as a dollar a month. We're at 81 people right now. My goal is to get to 100 uh, when we do that by the end of the month. And I'm going to be doing giveaways every single month. And the higher it goes, the better the stuff is I give away. But the goal is to get to 100 this month, and the winner will be able to design their very own Packers t-shirt. I'll go out and pay to have it designed and sent out to you. Otherwise, make sure you're in the group. Make sure you like the page. Let's take a break. Let's talk about some stuff. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. See, some of y'all thought I was joking around. Talking about Arizona, talking about warm weather, beautiful scenery kicking your feet up, watching some baseball, and you're thinking, you know what, this isn't even a bad winter. And then snowpocalypse hits you, and you're staring at a driveway that's got a foot of snow that needs to be shoveled out, and you got to go to work today, and you're very strongly contemplating calling in sick, but you know you're not going to. In fact, you're probably driving to work right now thinking, why didn't I just say I was sick? I've got the sick time. I know, I'm going to be in that boat in about a couple hours here. Take a moment and think about what I've been saying. 75 degree weather, baseball, amazing restaurants, going out and checking that live music scene. You can check out the urban centers, ghost towns, artsy communities if that's your thing. Bring the kids to a sweet resort. Just relax, man. Just relax. You know you want to. If you're feeling it, make sure you go to visitarizona.com slash spring training. Get you that R&R that you know you need. So some other exciting news. Nobody mentioned this to me, but, uh, you know, figured it out by myself. Packernet Podcast is now the number one podcast on the Overtime Podcast Network. This is a one-time thing, probably largely to do with the Packers' run, but I don't care. The podcast is doing very well. It's grown massively since since last year when I joined the network, and um, got a lot of work to go yet, 
but just figured I'd brag about that for a little bit and say thank you for uh, tuning in. That was uh, a little surprising to see. I'm, I got some tough competition, man, going up against some big markets out there. So anyways, Mark asked a question, and I kind of addressed it already, but I'll, I'll do a little refresher here. He wants to know how much of the blame can be laid at the feet of Alvis Witted. Alvis Witted was the fired wide receiver coach for the Green Bay Packers, and, and, and really, part of the reason I'm bringing this up again is because this could almost be a counterpunch to everything I said yesterday about MVS, right? I went on this tirade. Sorry, Todd. It wasn't really aimed at Todd, by the way. He just was the launching off point, and I was swinging at everybody else that was saying a lot of other stuff. And I, then I used Todd's name. That, that's it. But the, the, the point of it was the wide receivers aren't good enough, and we have to do better. And so the question is, okay, then explain Alvis Witted. And what I had mentioned is essentially two things can be true at the same time. And I'm choosing to believe that the Green Bay Packers organization isn't so dumb as to fire a very good coach who was doing everything right but was dealt a bad hand, because he was. But a lot of people tend to think that only one, and I'm again, this is not at all directed at Mark. I'm just explaining where some people are at. Mark had never implied this. I'm not saying he is. I'm not attacking him. I promise you. But some people have a hard time understanding that two things can be true at the same time. It's entirely possible that we did not have very good wide receivers and that Alvis Witted wasn't doing a good enough job as a wide receiver coach. Maybe it was a sort of a perfect storm of two things not going very well. Another way to look at this is just because the wide receivers are bad doesn't automatically mean Alvis Witted is a good coach. That doesn't make any sense. How could that be the case? And so we, we have no way of knowing. If he's a good coach it's probably going to be a similar result because the wide receivers aren't that good. If he's a bad coach, it's going to be a similar result because you have a bad coach and bad wide receivers. Obviously not all of them, but you get my point. And so I'm, I'm trusting Matt LaFleur and his group to say, you know what, we need somebody that's able to do a better job of coaching up the wide receiver. Now, maybe that's not the case. We know that there are teams out there that do dumb stuff like this. There is an, an expectation, regardless of the hand you're dealt, to produce. You didn't produce, therefore you're fired. I think that's ridiculous. I think that's dumb, and I think that's a big part of the reason you have teams out there that are never going to be any good because you got owners that will fire GMs or fire coaches simply because all they care about is fans screaming at them and they're worried about selling tickets. Well, people are mad. i got to do something drastic to, to revive that hope. We're going to fire, 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 and hire, hire, hire all over again. And the fact of the matter is you're just not doing anything right, you know, especially when you have a garbage GM that doesn't know how to build a team and then you keep firing coaches. Like, come on, man. So that stuff does happen. I just choose to believe the Packers are more competent than that. And again, there are other coaches and other positions. Looking at Oliva Dottie at inside linebacker, I think is who that is. The linebacker group wasn't great. It was actually pretty bad. And as to this date, as far as I know, he's not fired. So they at least have some ability to look at it and say, look, this wasn't great, but he's still a good coach. As far as there are any news about that, it's still vacant, which is actually a little bit surprising because... The Packers tend to move very, very quickly, but if you notice, there haven't been a lot of hirings and firings anywhere, so maybe they're just kind of taking their time and trying to be very deliberate. Maybe they're working on some negotiations. I know they obviously want his brother, but he's not coming. The only way his brother's coming over is if they're firing the offensive coordinator and giving him that job. But no, I I have not heard anything else as far as um, who a possible replacement could be. And the problem is it's kind of a a low-end position, so it's, it's hard to kind of go out and do the project type stuff that I like to do because what am I looking for? Am I looking for an offensive assistant on some other team that's really, really good and looking to move up? 
because that's like the <laughs> the next lowest thing. I don't think a tight ends coach is really a big because it's it's still a position coach. You know, an offensive quality control guy. Who's the best offensive quality control guy in the NFL that we can? You know, I just I, there's there's no way that I can can dig into that. But when we hire somebody, I'll be sure to kind of go back and look at that. Um, somebody had mentioned, oh, Joshua in the Facebook group had said that the one guy that he really wants the Packers to go get is Michael Pierce from Baltimore. Said he's got a connection with us. Don't think it'll be a big asking price. And he says both Pierce and Clark on the line would be crazy. He adds, we'd still have money to get a wide receiver and he doesn't like any of the free agent linebackers. So Michael Pierce is absolutely a monster. He's only 27, so he's relatively young. Uh, the, the biggest question I have though is, is, and I, I get the talent part of it. Granted, PFF massive dip in production this past year, but you know, I, I don't know. I, I I tend to think the talent is what the talent is. If guys like this have bad years, whatever, it'll come back. We're talking about a guy in 2016 in his rookie year basically had a grade of 80, which is very good. 2017 his grade was an 87, and then in 2018 it was a 91. So we're talking like elite, elite level guy. The biggest issue though is that he's six foot three forty. Mike Pettin tends to like the longer, leaner. Even his nose tackle, Kenny Clark, and I know he didn't draft Kenny Clark or whatever, but even Kenny Clark is is like, what, 315? 340? When was the last 340 guy the Packers have had? Um, I, again, I've been saying I want a guy like this for a long time, even if he's just a situational, rotational guy that you put in on, on short yardage situations. Just put him in to, to you know, goal line, third and short second and short, any short situation if you can hustle him in there fast enough. So I, I I would be excited because he's the guy that I've been wanting for a long time. I just don't necessarily think it's going to happen. And again, there is some concern and question as to what the dip in production was. And also, as I'm sure you can assume, I, I mentioned he's a good run defender, zero production as far as pass rush, which you would expect at 340, but I'm talking five sacks in four years. He's had one sack in his last two years. So he provides absolutely nothing, which also is going to kind of degrade what he does. It's just the way the NFL is these days. You know, that's one of the things as I'm doing this stuff and when I talk about linebackers, I got to put aside what I want. I want a Michael Pierce. The NFL doesn't. And and some teams want him, but he, his value is massively reduced. Because if you can't get after the quarterback, you just, you know, it's just not as valuable. But in terms of his value, and this is just according to Spot Track which I, you know, they do a good job of doing their comps and everything else. They think he's going to be at about 4.7 million. Now again, I I this is this is basically a no-brainer. I'm on board. Let's do this. 5 million dollars for one of the better and younger, a young, extremely talented run defending tackle. I'm all for it. I'm just thinking from Mike Pettin's standpoint, he doesn't like the short stout guys. This guy's only 6 foot, which I mean, if he was 6 foot 300, I'd kind of be like, I don't know. Doesn't have those long arms that he likes. And he also provides nothing in terms of pass rush, which, let's face it, being able to, you know, having versatile guys that you can put inside, outside is incredibly important to Patton. He's got outside linebackers playing nose tackle. And so a guy like this just it feels... Mm. But who knows? At the end of the day, sometimes it's just about function. You're only six foot. You're massively overweight for what we're looking for. There was a time and place where 340 was not that unusual, you know, for a, for a nose tackle. But but maybe. Maybe the price tag is low enough. And again, he's situational, so you don't have to have him out there all the time. And you could have Michael Pierce and uh, and Kenny and the boys out there 
doing a lot of damage. And, and you know, not just also situationally, but you get a game against, say, the 49ers, and they decide they're basically going to pull the quarterback. Okay, Michael, you're going to go out there and do some damage. We're going to plug that hole. Again, I'm, I'm on board. I would just lean toward it's probably not going to happen just because I just don't think that they like those kinds of players. But if it happens, I'm with you, man. I'm, I'm excited. We've got a legitimate run-stopping guy, which is, again, something I've been wanting for a long time. So, yeah, I'm on board. Um, and, yeah, there is a connection, obviously, with Baltimore. we got Milt from Baltimore, somebody the Packers have been eyeing up for a long time. They finally got Milt to come over. And, obviously, after we get Milt, what do we do? We go out and get Zadarius. And I, I think Milt is a big part of that to be able to get in to uh, Brian Gutekunst's ear and, like, tell him, look, straight up, this guy's a freak and we need him. So I think that is an underrated um, addition to the Packers squad in terms of getting Zadarius Smith. Because, again, how many people knew he was going to be this good? I think it might have been the Baltimore Ravens and pretty close to nobody else. And because Baltimore knew, Green Bay now knew. And so anybody else on that Baltimore squad, with the exception of new additions this year, um, that could possibly be poached, the Packers would have some insight into that. So that's definitely something that's pretty exciting. But, yeah, we'll see. Joshua, I hope you're in the uh, the spreadsheet, man. Get your predictions out there. All right, you know what? Why don't we just dive into the linebackers right away? Not sure how much time that's going to take. Um, couple of things about it. Number one, I did do tiers again, and I think the tiers are probably the most important thing. But basically, there's a no thanks tier, which, again, there's just one guy in. There's the same old tier, which is basically kind of, you know, you know same old stuff. I, I don't think that they're going to be able to produce anything. Then there's the potential tier. Now, Again, the, the interesting thing about linebackers, there's there's two things. There's your ability to play the run. There's your ability to cover. And almost everybody is a guy that can do one of those things. Usually you're pretty good against the run. But most of these guys are under the potential thing because they either do one thing really well and it's a question of can you cover because that's usually the thing you can't do. And if you can, boy, oh, boy, are you going to be a good linebacker. But I, I just can't see everything in one package. And then there's the my guys. There's three guys there. You can probably guess who they are, but I'll be more specific with that. I also reached out to the group to get their thoughts on linebackers, so I'll be throwing that in when necessary. So the only guy, and there's probably a lot of other guys that belong in this category, but the only guy I put in the no thanks category is Justin Stranad out of Wake Forest. I think the the, the thing that'll get people excited about him is that he lines up everywhere, but I, I think he's just a tweener, which is not to say he's versatile. I think he's a tweener because he's kind of in between being able to do one thing or the other. Now, you can stand wherever you want to stand, but the point is he's too much of a cover guy to play the run. He's not enough of a cover guy to be a cover guy. So I don't think he can really do anything very well, at least from what I saw. And again, we're basing this off of one to two games per player. It's just long enough to get a sense of the kind of player you are, and then boom, here's my note on you. So he was my only no thanks. The first but lowest in my same old category is Kamal Martin. Linebacker out of Minnesota, six foot three, two forty-five. Which, strangely enough, I had a couple notes about some guys. It's like, dude, you're only two thirty. You're only in the two twenties. I'm sorry, but I just can't get it on board with that. And then you go back and look. That's just linebackers today, man. I'm always looking for two forty-five, two fifty type linebackers. There are almost none. There are literally zero linebackers at two fifty. Of the guys that are potential on my potential tier or higher, only I think three of them are in the two forties. Not surprisingly, three of four of the same old, same old guys are in the 240s because those are the old school type linebackers, right? The 245 Jake Ryans. But uh, Kamal Martin just barely made it out of the no thank you column. But I, I tend to see him as one of those undrafted free agent or seventh round guys 
that can come in and just tackle somebody, right? Those filler guys that we keep picking up at linebacker to just come in and help, to just stand next to Blake on occasion and just make a tackle. I think he could do that. Um, he's not a super good tackler. In other words, if he's chasing you from the side, he can't bring you down. He's got to square you up, which isn't great. I, You know, I, a good linebacker is a good tackler, at the very least. I mean, I understand the old school, and I still have – so my thing is I like the thumpers. I like physical enforcers. And I know that's not today's NFL, but, dude, if you're running sideways and trying to catch somebody running and you get your arms and he, he runs through your arms, I just can't get behind that. You should be able to rip somebody down from anywhere. You're, you're the enforcer in the middle of the field. You have to be able to do that. And he just he can't really do that. He doesn't have the speed to get to the sideline, and if he does, he extends his arms and guys run right through his arms. So it's just no thank you. Next on the list is the only small guy in my same old category, and that's Jacob Phillips, linebacker out of LSU, six foot four, two thirty three. I just see him as a very vanilla, kind of a Blake Martinez guy. He's kind of just a wait and react. He's going to stand there, kind of wait to see where to go. He won't start to engage the guy until it's too late and somebody's up there trying to block him, and then he'll try to get off and he'll try to make a tackle. And if he does, it'll be a tackle four yards down the field. Uh, he cannot cover in man. He usually doesn't. He just drops into zone like most of these guys do, so it's hard to gauge how good of a cover guy you are. Which, by the way, a lot of the I'm going to go back and redo this. Once PFF comes out with their... Um, their draft guide. They do have one, but it's all senior bowl stuff. Once they come out with their official draft guide, I'm going to look at how good they are in coverage. Some of these guys are going to get massive boosts because I have a lot of notes saying if this guy can cover X, Y, and Z. So I'm going to look at the stats and the grades and everything else, and some of these guys are going to get big time boosts. But um, yeah, he's, he's not a hustler. He's not a cover guy. He's a, you know, stand your ground, shed a block, tackle a guy four yards down the field. Uh, next up, I got Logan Wilson, linebacker out of Wyoming, six foot two, two forty one. This guy was Blake to a T. I know the last guy was Blake, but I literally wrote Blake next to his name. He is a hundred percent Blake Martinez. I actually do like his instincts, which is why he's a little bit higher. But he doesn't exactly have the athleticism to get there. So you know, when 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 the play kicks off, he starts running in the right direction. He's got some pretty strong arms to engage guys, but he doesn't really have the ability to get off, which is half the battle. But again, he's one of those guys that just kind of creates congestion. He's trying to get in the chest of the offensive lineman and create a bottleneck rather than just getting off him and making a tackle. So he's not attacking the running back. He's attacking the blocker and creating congestion. And then if he gets to my level, I'll try to disengage and tackle him, and then he falls forward for another three yards. He's also very often in the wrong spot. Right, he's flowing in the right direction, but he goes one gap too far, and the guy cuts back and blows past him. I swear I was having flashbacks of Blake Martinez watching this guy. And then the last guy on my same old list, my number 14 overall. He's actually number 10 on my uh, on my big board, 10 of all the linebackers. But I obviously was a lot lower on him. But it's it's understandable because he's a, he's a very fast linebacker, and people like that. It's Jordan Brooks out of Texas Tech. I actually comped him to Oren Burks. He was my one guy that I said was a Burks guy. He's also another one that I almost put in the no thanks column, but because he fits the prototype, and he's actually, he's 245 and he can fly, so a lot of people are going to like that, and that's probably why he is where he is. But he's a fast cover guy. I don't think he has any real ability to uh, to play the run. But the, the biggest difference is, again, you got to watch what tape. I, I, I would have put him in the no thanks column based on his Oklahoma tape. I watched him against Oklahoma. That guy could not do a single thing, but... You go watch him play Baylor, and it's a different story. His Baylor tape, you put him probably in the potential column. But I just, you know, fact of the matter is the NFL is going to be much harder than than Oklahoma is. And if you can't go up toe-to-toe with Oklahoma and you have to be playing against Baylor competition in order to be able to do stuff, I just don't trust it. So I think he's going to go, and I think he's going to go, you know, relatively high third or fourth-ish round, similar to what the Packers did taking Oren Burks way too early in the third round. 
And I just, you know, I, I think it's potential upside. People are going to like really fast guys at 245 pounds. He's one of the biggest linebackers on this list. He's the second biggest. He's tied for the second biggest. Only Malik Harrison is one pound heavier. And these aren't even official weights, so who knows? So, yeah, I think I think Jordan Brooks is, Brooks is going to be very liked. Wouldn't ultimately be shocked if the Packers took him, but I would be a little disappointed. Number 13, and I hate to do it because it's somebody's guy in the group. It's uh, Matthew's uh, guy in the group, Willie Gay Jr. out of Mississippi State. Now, I did give you the respect to put him in my potential column. I just wasn't a huge fan. Um, Matthew actually said he's better than Patrick Queen. Again, put your name next to that one because if it happens, you are a genius, sir. But he actually kind of reminds me of Shaquille Quarterman. He looks short and stout. Maybe it's just the uniform that he's wearing. I don't know what it is. He looks like a little bulldog. But he's actually really fat. So I kind of like him. The problem is he just kind of feels a little sloppy to me. He doesn't seem to have a lot of flow and body control. You know, when he runs and tries to stop, it takes a few steps kind of thing. And ultimately, I think you got a guy like this that he doesn't look like he's doing much, but occasionally he'll fly and make a great play. But just as many plays as I saw that I really liked, there were a bunch that were just kind of ugly. But I... He's one of those guys, and the reason he's in the potential column is he's got the speed. If he can cover, he deserves a lot more respect. I still don't think he's as natural of an athlete and as fluent and, and doesn't have the body control of a lot of these other guys. But, you know, again, if, if the guy can cover, he deserves more respect than being number 13 on this list. Uh, the next two guys are actually some of my favorite guys in this entire class, but they're just thumpers. And again, if they can cover, they're going up into my top tier. But I just think that they're strictly run-stopping guys. At number 11, I've got Evan Weaver, linebacker out of Cal. He's actually probably my favorite linebacker of the group because he's not just very, very good against the run. He's mean. I mean, he is violent. He And he's got so much power. And he's only 234 pounds. This is what's interesting about different guys and different weights. You would think he's 250. When he hits guys, they stop. They just stop moving. There's no running through him. And he can be coming at an angle, and he'll stop you. The, the physics of it don't even make sense in my mind. He is an enforcer. He is big. He is strong. And he's very, very mean. He wants to hurt guys when he touches. Um, my issue, though, is going to be coverage and execution. And this is actually why he's lower than my next guy, who's basically the same, because I think he's a little more sloppy. Again, you occasionally see him in the wrong gap. He's, he's, he's just like a wild pit bull, man. He's trying to hurt somebody, and sometimes he just misses. He's just a hammer in search of a nail. So if I had to put my money down on this guy or the other guy in terms of being a legit, more well-rounded type linebacker, I'm going to go with my number 11 linebacker, and that's Joe Batchy out of Michigan State, six foot two, two thirty-one. Another smaller guy. I mean, you know, small compared to a few years ago when 240 wasn't a big deal. But he's another guy. He's not as vicious as Evan Weaver, but he's a very, very good run stopper. Um, he actually was almost in the same old category, but there's occasionally those little flashes of this dude being able to run. And again, he's 231. So if it turns out this guy can fly and can cover, it wouldn't be that surprising. I just didn't see it. And again, it's hard to see it because these guys are very rarely asked to do it. And when they do, they just drop in zone. All they're doing is dropping and, you know, they're not really actually covering anybody. And the ball doesn't get thrown in their direction and it doesn't mean anything. Can he run backwards three steps and stand there. Yes, he does a great job at doing that. It doesn't mean anything, though. But again, if he can, I really like Joe Batchy. Because remember, the Packers need to find a linebacker that can play against the run. As much as being able to cover is the most important thing in the NFL these days, if you can't do anything against the run, I don't want you. These guys can. If Evan Weaver or Joe Batchy can cover, I'm all for it. They're going up, They're going into the my guy categories. I just tend to think they can't. Just I'm probably just being biased because they're run stoppers, and I just assume they can't. But that's, I'm going to be looking 
very much at that. And if you just want to see somebody go out and hurt somebody, go watch Evan Weaver. It's just, it, it makes my heart happy. Uh, my number 10 is actually the number 18 overall. He was the, what, third lowest on the list, but I actually really like him. It's Shaquille Quarterman, linebacker out of Miami. He's a guy that I said he's just built like a, he's a little, fast little tank. He's like Willie Gay, but he's bigger. Well, I mean, he's not taller, but he's six pounds heavier. Shockingly fast for his build. The other thing that's shocking, though, is, so he looks massive, and he is 241 pounds, but he's fast, and he doesn't exactly have as much thump as you would expect. This is, again, where there's like there's something to it. I don't know if it's a technique thing or what it is, but you got guys like Evan Weaver at 234 pounds or Joe Batchy at, at 231. I'm, I'm assuming I'm saying his name right. I don't know. Who can just inflict power. It's the same thing I said with with uh, Raekwon, uh, the, the defensive tackle in this class. The amount of power that he has in his body is just weird. He just doesn't really have that amount of thump, but six foot one, two forty one. He is a big dude, and he actually is fairly good in coverage. He does have, he has a lot of speed. He has a lot of anticipation, and he's one of those. It's weird because he's he's like a guy that does ninety five percent, but can't quite do that last five percent to complete. He's always in the right spot. He's doing the right things. He's got good anticipation. He's flying out there, but then he just won't complete the tackle. Or he's right there to cover a guy, but he just can't quite do it. So in terms of tools, I like Shaquille Quarterman. In terms of production, I'm looking at it, and I don't know what his numbers are. Maybe he has great numbers, but it's it's like he's there. He just can't quite complete it. Now, by the way, I felt the same way about Kenny Clark when I watched him after we drafted him. He's always in the right spot. He's always he's a master at shedding blocks, but then guys would run right through his arms like, oh, come on, Kenny. Obviously, that panned out. Next up, I've got uh, Andy's linebacker from the Facebook group. And he says, David Woodward, Utah State, late-round flyer. I've got David Woodward as my number nine overall linebacker. I did like him out of Utah State, six foot two, 235 pounds at the time. And so I had seen everybody up through number, well, he was number, he's actually number 15 on the list. So he's actually really low. I was very high on him also. So I'd only watched like six guys. But my comment at the time was, by far the best in coverage that I've seen. The problem is, Utah State, the competition level is really low. And there wasn't a lot of tape. I watched one against, I don't remember who, but it was garbage, and then I watched like a 2018 thing because it's all I could find. I also have a hard time deciding if he's a liability against the run because, again, it's the competition level. Throw him up against Wisconsin, and I'm watching Joe Batchy play against Wisconsin. It's hold his own. That carries a lot of weight about his ability to play the run. I'm watching David Woodward at Utah State playing San Jose or something. It's like, I don't know. But, again, it's it just comes down to if he can play the run in the pros, and at least be competent, he needs to get bumped up because he's very good in coverage. So I bumped him up above Shaquille Quarterman, which was hard to do because, again, the small program, but it is what it is. Uh, Josh in the Facebook group says, I like Akeem Davis, linebacker out of Appalachian State. He's a bit smaller, but uh, said he wants to put on weight for the combine. Great in space. Then he asked about Zach Bond. I don't know because he's an edge rusher. I didn't do that. But Akeem Davis Gaither is my number eight overall linebacker. He's number nine on on the board, so pretty consistent with what that is. The biggest problem with him is as great as he is, and as much as I like him, he's 219 pounds. 219. I mean, look, I I know I'm not supposed to knock guys for their size anymore in the 220s, 225-ish. But 219, come on, man. The dude's a wide receiver, and at six foot two, no less. That's just crazy. However. He's kind of a freak. So he's really weird when you watch him. He's just a complete, he's in a category by himself. He, he seems smaller. I, I'm not actually even sure how great he is against the, against, in coverage. He seemed okay, I guess. But th- there are times, I mean, he, he plays off the edge and he can bend 
like some of the best edge rushers out there, which is interesting because what you'll see him do, there will be a convoy of blockers pulling out to block in front of this guy. He'll run to the front of the convoy, curl back around it, and tackle the guy from behind this wall of blocker. It's just weird. Go watch him play against South Carolina. Uh, you watch him and it's like, you know, okay, whatever, this, that, or the other. And then he'll just do some weird, crazy stuff tackling guys where there's nobody on this list that's going to make this play. They might be able to get in there and blow it up and let somebody else come in and do it or whatever. I've never seen anybody get out in front. And one of the plays, he actually like gets out in front of it, squats down, and kind of lunges back the other way, kind of falling backwards and grabs him. It's just like, what what move is that? I've never seen that in my life. So he's weird. <laughs> I think you might have to be creative with how you employ him. Again, 6'2", 219, I don't know what he's going to be able to do. I know he said he's going to be putting on weight, and he needs to. So maybe at you know, 6'2", 225, nobody will worry about it anymore. Uh, I do like him. I just, my, my ending comment on him was he scares me for a lot of reasons, but excites me for just as many. So if he's a bust, I'm not surprised. If he's a freak, I'm not surprised. Uh, my number seven linebacker, Cam Brown, linebacker out of Penn State. Cameron Brown, for those that are, I don't know. Some of these names, I, it's always confusing because some people call him one, some people call him the other, and I have to use the same name in my sheet. So I'm always editing names all the time. But Cameron Brown out of Penn State, six foot five. 232 pounds. He's actually number 16 on my uh, consensus board. I have him at number 7. I really obviously liked him a lot more than everybody else did. I think one of the biggest things is that he's versatile. And I didn't put him as a tweener. I actually put him as as versatile. He just kind of fits that NFL mold. You know, he, he's not the kind of guy that gets me super excited because he's, you know, quarterman or, or uh, weaver. But he's a linebacker. He lines up as a pass rusher. He plays as a slot corner. He's got speed. He's got a ton of length at 6'5", which shows up. There are times when he's you know, in coverage, he might be trailing, and he puts that big old bear paw out there and swats the ball down. Doesn't really play with his hair on fire, but he's, he's just kind of interesting. He almost reminds me of uh, the other guy from Penn State, the pass rusher. Yatur Grossmatos, just kind of long and lanky. There, there's a little hint. I would almost say Cameron Brown is like a lesser version of Isaiah Simmons. If you look at him, he's kind of long. He's kind of lanky. He doesn't play with his hair on fire, but he just kind of has like this natural ability. You want him to look like he's hustling and, and flying around out there like a lot of linebackers, just looking like a, a pit bull, hammer in search of a nail. He doesn't really do that, but he it, it just it feels natural. Like I talked about with some wide receivers where it doesn't look like this is hard for him. And so whenever I see that, I tend to give that an uptick. Like this is a guy who's got some swagger. This is a guy who's got some natural ability. He's he, Again, at six foot five, people are going to like that. At six foot five and able to move, people are gonna like that. I mean, if you're a cover guy and you're six foot five, you know, I, I forget who it was. It was a linebacker a long time ago, but he was touted because he was like six foot five. Trying to throw over him is not an easy thing to do, even from the middle of the field. So I, you know, we'll see what happens. I'm not sure who's gonna win out between the number seven or number sixteenth overall taken linebacker, but I tend to think he'll go a little bit earlier than sixteenth linebacker. Uh, another guy that I was higher on than a lot of other people, he was 13th overall on my board. I have him 6th is Marcus Bailey, linebacker out of Purdue. Six foot one, 240, so he's in the 240 club. Um, he does line up in the slot. I don't think that's a good spot for him. I don't think he can really handle that too much. But I do think he does a decent job in coverage like as a linebacker. He gets annihilated just straight up by slot receivers, lining up in man coverage and whatnot. But really, my favorite thing about him is, is as a run defender, so capable coverage guy, but as a run defender... His tackling and block shedding is really impressive. He's very, very consistent. You know, blockers, he's one of those guys, you know, guys who are really good at this, they they look like blockers are having a real hard time just trying to get their hands on him. 
This guy is consistently, he'll stick his one arm in the chest of the offensive lineman, almost like he's just an inconvenience, like he's just swatting him out of the way. Like, dude, get out of my face. And the offensive linemen are kind of swinging their arms trying to get him. It's one of the other things I've learned to do is sometimes on occasion, watch the other guy that they're playing against to get an idea of how good somebody is. When you're watching pass rushers, look at the offensive tackle. It might look like he's holding him up pretty well, but if he's kind of going straight back and his head's up in the air and he's stumbling around, I don't know that he's winning. And a lot of times, you know, some of these linebackers are having a hard time getting off these offensive linemen, and it's like, well, yeah, what do you expect? How are you going to get off this 330-pound guy? And then you watch Marcus Bailey, and the offensive linemen look like they can't even get their hands on him. So very technically sound, good at not getting held up by blockers, which is important. Blake has a hard time with that. A lot of guys do. And again, real good tackler, so when a guy gets in his range, he's going to bring him down. Um, One of the least favorite things, though, he's kind of like a lesser Patrick Queen in that he doesn't play with a lot of hustle unless he feels like he can make a big play. So at the snap, he's playing with his hair on fire. If somebody is, is you know, kind of not in his area, he's jogging. If somebody makes a big play and he has to catch from behind, he's kind of just jogging like, eh, whatever. I'll get there if I get there. You know, I'm, I'm here to make the big plays. I'm not here to clean up. And so I don't super like that, but I think he is very talented. Number five on my list was the number six on the board, so pretty consistent there, is Malik Harrison, linebacker out of Ohio State. Six foot three, 246 pounds, absolute monster of a man. And really, because he's as big as he is, he probably should be one spot higher, just because he can kind of do these things, but not scare me because of his size. And so for that reason, I want to put him one spot higher, and I might, but I kind of did that out of respect for somebody in the group, I guess. But I think he's got really solid speed at 246, does a good job against the run. But the biggest issue, and also why he's probably not one spot higher, I don't know if he can cover. Again, if he can, he's moving way up. I just don't know. I didn't see it, and I I honestly just wouldn't trust him. So very, very talented. He's very well built, and he's got the speed to be able to cover. And again, if he can do it at 6'3", 246, he's going to go early, and he's going to be a very good linebacker. Plays for a really big program, so obviously the competition level is very high. He's got a very high ceiling, but again, if he can't cover, it's just it's all for nothing. It doesn't mean a single thing. And then finally, on my list of guys with potential, Corey Stone, Corey Stone said, Troy Dye is who I want. Dave also said, draft that Oregon linebacker. That would be Troy Dye. Now, here's the thing. As soon as he said that, I sort of got excited but also nervous because I'm like, oh, man, I'm going to say this guy's garbage and I'm going to be mad at me. The very first play, this guy was shot out of a cannon, and I instantly got excited. Six foot four, only 225 pounds, though. He's definitely on the smaller side. Of the guys that I've talked about so far, the only ones that were less than 230 are Troy Dye and Akeem Davis Gaither, the 219 pound guy. And if you watch Troy Dye, look at his arms. They are toothpicks. I'm really worried he's going to go in and try to, you know, get in the chest of an offensive lineman and his arms are just going to snap. This guy looks tiny. The shocking thing, though, you would think he has a hard time really getting in the chest of these linemen. He doesn't. He gets he gets in there and he pops these guys and they don't move. He's, he's decent enough at shedding those blocks, lightning fast. He's a very, very good blitzer, which is obviously very intriguing. With that speed, he can get to the quarterback super fast. I think he's a good enough tackler. I'm actually unsure about him in coverage. He's obviously got enough speed, but I've seen him kind of, you know, it, it's the technique thing. There was one play in particular where I finally got to see him play in man. Tight end did just a, the slightest little move, you know, step to the outside, cut to the inside, and, and Troy Dye just was way out of position. That one tiny little step from a linebacker, and he was way off. And fortunately, the guy dropped it, or it would have been a big gain. Now, 
again, he's got all the tools. If, if we can coach him up a little bit to be a little bit better, he should have been in the chest of that tight end, kind of getting his face, you know, hands on his hips kind of thing to, to gauge where he's going to be in there. All these little things he can get taught in the NFL on how to be better as opposed to standing there and trying to guess which way he's going to run and then guessing wrong and getting blown out of the water. So, I, you know, I like him a lot, and I very I was very close to putting him in the my guys category, but the question mark in coverage and the 225-pound weight combined, I figured I would just put him at the top of the potential thing. I do really like him, though. And then the final three, all three of these guys I put in my guys. And, and to be honest, Patrick Queen was the first one I watched because he was number four. And you, you can just see night and day the difference. There's no question there's a difference. However, my number three is Kenneth Murray. However, he might actually be my favorite linebacker. The only reason is because Kenneth Murray is vicious. He's mean. He doesn't have quite the amount of pop that Weaver does. But you can t- he wants, I mean, he's trying to hurt people. And I know that's not a good thing to say. And obviously, he's, I mean, he's not like twisting people's ankles or Indomitian Sioux kicking people or anything. But, I mean, he wants to get that hit in. You know, the, the play's over and he comes in and he's like, no, I didn't get mine yet. He's very fast. He's very mean. He plays with that enforcer kind of mentality. He doesn't quite have the, I don't know, I, I guess speed and anticipation of, the, of Patrick Queen. But I think he's plenty fast. There was some question about him playing in coverage. I didn't see a lot of it. However, I did see a play where he's playing in zone and the ball comes out and his lightning quick speed to get to that guy. In other words, he didn't break up the pass because he wasn't there. But pretty much right after he caught it, Kenneth Murray just lit his face right off. In fact, it was uh, there was a lot of question about whether or not he just grabbed his face mask and ripped him by the head. But he actually grabbed him just under the, grabbed his jersey just underneath his face mask so it didn't get called and it was a good no call but it's just an example of him just being vicious like he has no regard for your well-being he's going to bring you down so he's a good blend of today's nfl but also getting something that i really like which is a vicious enforcer in the middle of the field i like kenneth murray a lot but i will concede he's not as good as my number two who is patrick queen I think he's very, very good in coverage. I've seen him take off, you know, in man. And and that's the biggest thing. When somebody goes running and you're standing still, it's so hard to keep up with a guy that's in a dead sprint. But I watch him. You know, they go off the screen pretty quickly. But he's stride for stride. That's very impressive. And also you kind of watch, okay, he's taking off in that direction to go cover that guy. Quarterback's looking in that direction. He didn't throw it. Why didn't he throw it? Because it's good coverage. So he can cover. The anticipation is just next level. He takes off. I, I, I did a whole video on Patrick Queen. Not a whole video, really, but I, some highlights of him just taking off when the ball is snapped, the anticipation to be in the right spot, but also to have the speed. we got a lot of guys with good anticipation, but they don't have the speed to get there. They don't have the ability to get through and around and, and whatever the blockers. And then at the end of the day, they just either that or they can't tackle. And Patrick Queen can do all those things. So I think he is a perfect pack. He is only 227, though, which is the biggest reason why I couldn't. I had a hard time knocking Troy Die. Because I didn't realize Patrick Queen was listed at 6'1", 227. He's one of the smaller guys in this group when you consider his height. But I'm just a believer in his ability, absolutely. And then number one, and I'm not happy about this, I put Isaiah Simmons. And I really wanted to put him lower. Because the fact of the matter is, I just got done watching 18 linebackers, and I end up putting a a safety as the number one. Because that's what he is. He's an inside-the-box safety. I've said before, he's, he's, he's closer to Derwin James than he is Patrick Queen. And so listen, I'll, I'll concede this ground to him because he's six foot four, 230 pounds. He's got that athletic freak thing. He'll run and there'll be a, you know, a wide receiver trying to block him and he runs like he's not even there. He's got raw power in his body. He's just a different kind of animal. He's obviously extremely good in coverage. But here's what I'll also say. 
If you had to tell me that we're drafting a linebacker and your job is to just be a linebacker, you're not going to be playing safety, you're not going to be playing slot except maybe occasionally when you follow a running back out there or whatever, but you're not doing that. Your job is to be a linebacker and be a very good linebacker. Isaiah Simmons is not going to be my top guy. He's just not. He's liked as much as he is because he's an athletic freak and he's very good in coverage and he's very versatile. But if we're looking for the Green Bay Packers to draft a linebacker who can also cover, Patrick Queen and Kenneth Murray are my guys. Troy Dye is a very close third. Not to say Isaiah Simmons doesn't belong on here, but I just don't see him as a linebacker. I think he's going to be good. I think if he goes to the right team, he's going to be a weapon that's just going to be terrifying. But again, the guy spent most of his time in college in the slot. That was his top thing. I mean, he he's, he's a safety. You, we see these safeties all the time. They go from being free safety to playing in the slot to occasionally moving into the box, right? Minka Fitzpatrick. He's Minka Fitzpatrick, except Minka probably didn't spend a lot of time in the box. He's a little bit more versatile, I guess, than that. And I don't know how much time Derwin spent in the slot, but I don't know. Isaiah Simmons just upsets me because I feel like he doesn't belong in the linebacker conversation. But he's probably going to go very early, and we don't have to worry about it. We're not going to draft him anyways. The The last remaining question, I guess, and it's a question uh, that I got from uh, David in the group. He says, is there any inside linebacker worth taking over your top five wide receivers? So the way that I'm reading this is, if any of your top five receivers are available, do you take one of these linebackers instead? Here's the hard part of that question. I laid out in pretty good detail the fact that you don't need to take a linebacker in round one. In fact, round two is the money round. So based on that, no. If I'm being consistent with that, no, you take the wide receivers. The biggest issue I have with that is I like the second-tier wide receivers more than I like the second-tier running backs, or linebackers, I mean. So, you know, would I rather have Ayuk or Hamler and then in the second round get a guy like Cam Brown? Yeah, maybe I would. Or rather have Kenneth Murray and then draft, I don't know, Denzel Mims. I think I'm going wide receiver first. I guess the question, well, man, I don't know, that's, that's tough. But I probably would lean wide receiver, trust the fact that in the second round you can find linebackers and not get enamored with the, the flashy linebackers. Because again, we've seen a lot of the highest rated linebackers that have gone very early have not panned out very well. The last two to three years, those guys just aren't that great. And so, yeah, I'll, I'll probably take a Rager, Hamler, Ayuk, Chenault. I mean, I would definitely take Chenault. Judy isn't going to be there. Henry Ruggs, probably not, but I didn't put him in my top five, which I know is also blasphemous. Again, if you haven't heard my t- top uh, 20 wide receiver list, go back and check that one out. But no, I, 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 I guess I would take a wide receiver and then a linebacker. But that's a very tough call. And part of the reason that it's tough is... It's sort of pass-fail with linebackers. You can either do it or you can't. And part of the problem with once you get past that first tier is that my expectation is that they can't. And so now you're stuck. And so it's it's one of those things where first-round linebackers probably <clears throat> excuse me, probably aren't going to be that good. But if you're going to find the next great linebacker, he's probably going to be in the first round. So I, I don't know. It's a, it's a really tough question. But I, I'm going to stand by it. I'm going to take Ayuk in the first round and then trust our ability to nail a linebacker in the second Interesting thing is that on my official board, there aren't any second-round linebackers. The only one is Patrick Queen, and the only reason he's as low as he is is because some people are slow to come around to him. Either that or some people just don't like him. I got him number 50 overall. So I got his, this is on the consensus board from all the guys on the on the Internet that you know and love. Isaiah Simmons is 6, Kenneth Murray's 24, Patrick Queen is 50. The next highest is Troy Dye. No, that's not true. It's Malik Harrison at 80. So that's kind of crazy. But anyways, that's my list of linebackers. 
if you have a suggestion for what you'd like me to do next, I'd, I'd like to either do tight end or defensive tackle, but uh, any thoughts, let me know. It's probably going to be a while because I don't have another weekend to put in that much time, but I'd like to get this list going. Otherwise, you folks have yourselves a fantastic Monday. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye. <laughs>